0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring Dream Accelerating Inspiration. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator coaching process at jeffmeyer.org. You can click on the Move Forward Anyway tab and watch all of these episodes in video form, or you can download wherever you like to get your podcasts from. I'm your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach, Jeff Meyer. Hello friends and fellow dreamers. We are back again with another episode of Move Forward Anyway and it's really good to be with you and really really good to be with an old friend and brother colleague uh, John Bussacher. John would you would you just introduce yourself to the audience and uh, let us know a little bit about yourself just to, to kick us off.
1: Yeah, Jeff, I, you should introduce me as a, a longtime friend, not an old friend. Oh, I'm,
0: I'm, did I say old? I'm sorry. Yes,
1: I, I, uh, I just had a birthday yesterday, so I'm, I'm a little sensitive here today, so.
0: Happy birthday.
1: Thank you. <laughs> so I am a, a writer, speaker, and an entrepreneur. Um, I am on my third career, I would say, I had uh, two years as a, a high school educator and counselor, then 14 years in financial services, Uh, And then the last 26 years in the leadership development space, uh, 20 of those years as a partner and then president of a a global firm here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And then the last six years, we sold that firm. And then the last six years, I've had my own uh, leadership practice focusing on uh, the character and integrity of leaders which seems like it might be a necessary topic these days.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Very important topic. And you and I go back uh, sometime. um, Many trips, actually, one trip my wife talks about constantly. I've never, I've still never been to Ethiopia. Oh, yeah. uh, But you were with her on that trip, uh, equipping leaders, you know, um, encouraging them and uh, helping them be all that they can be uh, in their missionary calling in the world, and uh, Amy speaks very highly of that trip, and my time with you, I have known you to be a, a very um, a good listener, That I, you know, just someone who really takes an interest in other person's life and helps them sort through some of the difficult uh, challenges. Uh, you, uh, six years ago, sold your company, and uh, talked to us a little bit about that process and what, what came out of that? Why did you, why did you launch a new company? So, um, I would say that,
1: um, it's important to know that, uh, each of the, uh, transitions from career to career, uh, none of them were planned. <laughs> mm. So I didn't sit down and, and map out a life plan. And then at cert- certain junctures decide, you know, it's time to make this change. Actually, they were, um, they just um, occurred. Um, and so I got into the leadership development uh, consultancy when uh, when I was in financial services, we hired one of the founding partners of the firm that I ended up joining. And he did uh, great work with us. Um, I personally enjoyed him. And so I started a conversation over a cup of coffee here and lunch there with him that led about a year later to they're asking whether I would join their firm, which at that point had been in existence for about five years, whether I would join as a, as a partner, uh, which I did, it was kind of a leap. It was actually really a leap I was leaving something that I'd been in for 14 years um, into something that I knew nothing about, um, was not my background particularly. Um, but 20 years, uh, when I joined, I was the sixth partner. Um, we had 12 investors. Over the 20 years, um, we. Uh, paid off all of the original investors and three of the partners were no longer with the firm. The three of us that remained had gotten to a point where um, we all liked each other and um, valued each other's work but we were all doing uh, kind of our own thing. We had established our own areas of expertise and uh, domains that we were passionate about. And it was clear to us at that point that uh, the reasons for being formally in partnership just really weren't there anymore. And so I, I would say one of my uh, proudest business accomplishments is that we ended well, mm. like most when a marriage ends or when a friendship ends or when a business partnership ends, most often they end poorly. (laughs) You know, somebody ends up angry, bitter. Um, And in our case, uh, the three of us still like each other. We still communicate with each other. Um, uh, It's been a little bit hampered by COVID. We we would normally regularly get together individually, one-on-one with each other. So we ended well, but we decided it was it was time to move on. And so it took us six months to figure out how to end well, and how to do that equitably and in a way that was beneficial to us as as individual partners. But we did it six years ago.
0: Wow! And so then you just you launched out on your own mm-hmm. um, and established your new company, uh, right. doing the same things you were doing before. Yeah, so
1: um, I had actually started the uh, life worth. I had actually started that with, you know, the blessing and full knowledge of my partners about seven years before we ended the firm. And, oh, and wow. the, the, the genesis of that, um, coming from financials, I'm a total right brainer, right? I can't, it's kind of scary actually. I was in financial services, but I cannot uh, balance my checkbook with a calculator. I mean, I'm just hopeless with, with numbers and analytics. Which is scary. If anybody on this on this podcast was a client of mine, you're probably still working because you're not retired yet. So, <laughs> right? so, so. Um, but what I've always been interested in uh, since I was a little boy, honestly, it's just a it's a God given gift. It's not something I went to school in. Is people's stories. I've always been interested in people's stories, and so. About seven years before we ended our firm, I, st- I had this idea to, to formalize um, the emotional side of financial advice and to use a, a, some, a tool that I developed called a life worth statement. So, you know, if you're if you're if you're paying attention to your finances, you probably periodically put together a net worth statement: assets minus liabilities. Financially, is your net worth? Well, this takes that same concept, but. Um, It blows it up to 10 10 life dimensions. So your health, your relationships, your spiritual life, um, your work, your hobbies. And there's 10 of them all together and says, is this an asset or a liability? And then at the bottom, you figure out your life worth, which was where the name life worth LLC came from. Because part of my part of what had developed in my own interest and passion was helping financial advisors. Really learn the stories of the people with whom they're working, because because financial mm-hmm. advice is nothing but arithmetic, and so you know retirement planning. Th- th- this is just totally MSU making stuff up, but I say retirement planning is one third math and two thirds life, mm-hmm. and so this starts to get at the life equation of retirement or wherever you are in your in your financial life, whatever life stage you're in. So that was the genesis. And then I just carried that work along with the other work that I was doing with clients forward into this, into this new firm.
0: You know, one of the things I've learned in working with entrepreneurs and helping them uh, chase after their dreams is that um, most dreams, I would say probably all dreams at some level, if we take time to listen, are solving a problem they Um, filling in a gap that exists. So what is the problem that life worth is solving? You have alluded to it a little bit here already mm-hmm. but deeper into it. What is the what's the gap? Mhm. So um,
1: the the um, the work with financial advisors is just one one part of the work that I do with Life Worth. The other and the larger part honestly is is in the leadership development space, but I would say it's in the soft side of leadership. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of leadership development is focused on more the hard edge of leadership. How do you negotiate? How do you plan strategically? How do you communicate? How do you and all of those things are vitally important. This is not an either or it's a both and um, but but my belief and my experience is who you are matters before what you do, mm-hmm. and so the itch that that I try to scratch in the leadership development space is helping leaders be very clear on who they are, like what's your. What's, what are your values and how are you gifted and what are you called to and what sense of personal purpose w- wakes you up in the morning that wants you makes you wanna pursue it and how does that align with the environment that you're in? And once you get that stuff clear and if you consistently act on it, then people may actually wanna follow you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You, you you're you're now you're acting with integrity and the, the root word of integrity is integer you're a whole person you're not half hearted. You're a whole person you can be whole hearted. And so in scripture, uh, it, leaders are commended for wholeheartedly following the Lord. Mm-hmm. So we try to help try to help leaders be whole and whole hearted. And then the other, the other area, kind of emerging area, with uh, the book that a friend of mine, uh, Dave and I just co-authored, just released February first, um, is in this whole. Yes, that's it. Thank you for the for the unsolu-
0: for breath. Yes, inviting God's Spirit into your overwhelmed life. Seems like a timely. Yeah, seems just like a timely topic yesterday.
1: The, 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 uh, the focus of that um, is, is just as the title says. Um, uh, so many, this was true before COVID. It certainly is true now during COVID. Uh, people are just overwhelmed and they're grieving. They're grieving the changes that were unanticipated. They're grieving physical loss of loved ones. They're grieving loss of stability. They're grieving loss of income, loss of job, loss of all sorts of things. And so we try to lean into that with this book, Gasping for Breath, the metaphor being many, we actually started on it before COVID. Um, uh, the, The metaphor being many people find themselves now gasping for breath, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, intellectually, professionally, whatever the case
0: may be. So if I go way back in your story, when did, you, when did you have the first initial spark that you loved hearing and diving deeper into people's stories?
1: <laughs> I can, yeah, that's a great question. I can remember uh, even as a little boy, um, when we were at family gatherings with my cousins, I was, I was uh, usually the youngest uh, or one of the youngest cousins in, the, in my, my mom's family. There were seven siblings, lots of cousins. Um, I can remember being the storyteller and the one who would um, sit and listen to stories. Uh, The first home that my wife Carol and I owned, um, we built. Actually, we rented for a number of years and then we built a small house uh, in in Milwaukee where both Carol and I grew up and there were two guys that built the house. One was an old uh, master craftsman carpenter and he had along with him an apprentice And um, I was in financial services, just kind of starting at the time in financial services. I went out almost every day uh, to the house as it was being built, not only to do some of the uh, work, uh, painting in, in advance of them, hanging some of the things in the house. But honestly, I just actually loved listening to the old master craftsmen tell stories. It just, it was interesting to me. And that's all, it's just always been a part of, of who I am. And it, it's, it's been the thread woven through all of the different professions as a counselor, as a financial advisor, mm-hmm. and now in the in the field that I'm in now and writing and speaking, it's just always been interesting to me and it comes naturally. And I'm passionate about learning what makes other people tick. What's their story. Mm-hmm everyone's got one and, and right. it's often it's often kind of a securitist path it's not a linear cradle to grave sort of path
0: right right no doubt I think that's why when I described you earlier um, as someone who takes an interest and listens well and Amy remembers that trip and mm-hmm. we were going through a really hard dark period when she was on that trip and so I know she shared some things with you and and shared some things with others on the trip. And the others didn't really, really pay much attention, but you really listened. Mm. And I I just think that's interesting that as we people are listening to this podcast, um, the dream that you're called or you're being nudged to pursue will probably link in very closely to your unique gift sets and values and and that's why it's so hard to not pursue it over time, because you're not being honest with yourself that's about right. who you are. And so many of the entrepreneurs I've worked with have felt stripped of that because they're, they're doing work for someone else's dream, but they don't know how to get untethered from it. And it takes courage to think about and to take those steps into the new adventure that you know nothing about. Yeah,
1: When I, that's so true, Jeff, when I, uh, when I made the change from uh, financial services to leadership development, it felt like the right thing to do, but, but it was scary. Uh, It really was scary. I I took a step back, significant step back financially. Um, Carol, uh, one of the, one of the real blessings of my life is that Carol has been a partner in that life since we were uh, high school sweethearts. And so when, when, when I, we decided it together, but when I made the professional decision to do that, uh, Carol went back to work in her field as a nurse uh, because we needed the income. And, and, and so, but it was scary. I was stepping from something that I knew very well after 14 years of doing it and something that I was very successful in to something that I didn't know these partners very well at all. I didn't know the field very well at all. And financially, we're taking a, a three quarters of income hit to do it. And yet it felt like the right thing to do. It felt like a calling to go in that direction because it was even more in the direction of being able to listen to and help people move forward in their own story. That's yep.
0: what we did. Yeah. So yeah. So, t- you know, talk to me about the softer side. You, you said it was scary. Tell mm-hmm. me share some of the the evidences of fear that you experienced like what was self what was some of the self-talk <laughs> after you made that choice or as you were thinking about making that choice or you were a year into it and, and it got hard because right. it certainly gets hard when you pursue mm-hmm. an entrepreneurial venture like this mm-hmm. um what were, were some of the things that you were saying to yourself in those moments I
1: have, well i have a, a friend uh, he became a, a good friend. He was a client uh, that was uh, with one of the large global companies that we worked with for about seven years. And he used to ask the question, it wasn't his question, uh, but he used to ask, so when was the last time you did something for the first time? Mm. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Because we can easily kind of get into a rut doing what we're doing, we kind of wear, and and the deeper the rut, the rut can become a grave, mm-hmm. actually. So yeah. Um, so, in, in the previous life in financial services, you know, after 14 years, I was doing a lot of things that I had done before. And then when I stepped into this new field, I had never done almost everything that I was doing. I mean, I'll, every, every in the first couple of weeks, every day, and it, certainly the first years, I found myself in places regularly where I, I, man, I just have never done this before. And that is fear-inducing. I mean... Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of exhilarating, but at the same time, it's like, man, I could, I could colossally fail at this. <laughs> and so, and it was coupled with, uh, when I made the the change, um, they, the, the firm was nice enough to give me a little bit of a, a guaranteed income, but most of the income from day one um, was, a, I had to earn it, you know, I had to get up and kill it to eat it sort of thing every day. Mm-hmm. And that's fear inducing too, even though I'd been in a, a commission-based world for 14 years. I'm in a new place, having to earn an income, doing things I've never done before. I mean, the physical evidence of that was that. I mean, my my armpits were sweating like every day. It's like holy <laughs> mackerel, this is. Um, but uh, I actually, you know, again, uh, now with the benefit of hindsight, I look back and go, man, that's that was also very life-giving. Um, it's 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 fun to try things. Some work, most work not everything worked. Um, but again, having, uh, having a life partner, having Carol along on the journey, big part of it, um, being, knowing that, Hey, I could, this might, this might auger in, but, um, I'm still loved. I, I still, um, I'm still okay. I've got a wonderful home in which I'm living and growing, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, the, um, the partnership aspect is, uh, severely under presented when we talk <laughs> about entrepreneurship. I mean, we don't do yeah. this alone, um, without no. the support of a husband or a wife. Um, and it's, it's just critical. Um, so. That another, would be, hey, Jeff,
1: hey, hey, Jeff, there's one other aspect to that one too, though. Um, and that's, um, and, you know, from uh, uh, we, we teach this, I taught this in the uh, Pastoral Leadership Institute, um, which uh, which mm-hmm. is what would uh, had Amy and others and me in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. But the idea, too, and this is critical, I think for, it's especially critical for entrepreneurs. It's critical for all leaders to have a small group of people that are on the journey with you. So it's not just spouse or partner. Right. Um, But it's also a couple of other people that will call you on your baloney and hold you accountable to the commitments you're making and ask you the tough questions. And when you're uh, exuberantly high, they don't think you're a narcissist. And when you're just critically low, they don't immediately think you should go into therapy, although maybe you should. I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's the right solution, Um, but they help level out the journey, especially for an entrepreneur, because my experience as one is that the highs can be really high and the lows can be uh Grand Canyon-esque low. And so mm-hmm. um, it's important to have a, whatever you call it, a personal board of directors, a sounding board, yeah. uh, a band of brothers, whatever it is, to have a small group of people with you in addition to if you're married, your spouse.
0: Well, I think especially because the the spouse can't be all things um and can't say all things the same way that a band of brothers can, right? That's right. Yeah. Um so they're they're people that are interested in in terms of they really care that you succeed, but it's more than that. They're also they're also willing to be people that hold you accountable and right. to not give up um to continue to move forward anyway right would you say there are other there are other things that have helped you um move forward anyway in spite of your fear in spite of being scared to death in spite of pitting out (laughs) that you got up the next day and he said i'm still going to get after this i'm going to move forward anyway
1: well i I hope this doesn't sound cheesy um because because it's just it's just candidly, honestly, the truth, uh, my faith has been Mm -hmm. uh, an anchor for me. Um, uh, This is, this is not an entrepreneurial thing. It's a life thing. Um, Four years ago, Carol and I lost um, all three of our parents, um, three friends and a sister-in-law. So seven people uh, Mm -hmm. in seven months. So seven people in seven months. And, uh, Put us into uh, a season of of grief like I'd never experienced in my life. Mm -hmm. It just came in waves, like a tsunami of grief. And uh, had we not had both of us had the foundation of our faith, I I it would have crushed us. It it just would have crushed us. And so. Um through the, through the highs and lows, not only of being a, a small business owner, entrepreneur, um, not only being the parent of, you know, two now adult children, being the grandparent of three grandchildren, um, part, of, part of what has been just life-giving and sustaining has been my faith. Um, and, and the growing awareness of a mature faith is a questioning faith. So it's not the same faith that I had as a little boy. Um, it's it's no longer, and I don't mean this in any in, in any negative sort of way. It's no longer a Sunday school sort of faith. It's it's become a much more mature faith, one that brings the, the whole enchilada to God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there are times during that season of grief that I was royally pissed off at God and would bring it all to him. And there were times when I was uh, exuberantly happy for having the blessing of being able to finish well with our parents. And I brought that to him too, with the gratitude of that, but also my anger and my grief and my dismay and my confusion and all of it. And so, and that's not a Sunday school faith. That's a, that's the real deal sort of faith. And so, um, so that's been, that's been critically important, not only as a, as an entrepreneur, but just as a husband, father, grandfather, man.
0: So, you wrote another book. I mean, you've written four books, but one of the books I have on my shelf, I don't think I have it right here at the moment. What it deals with you don't have it right there. <laughs> I think it's at church. I think it's at church, brother. It's going to be okay. But <laughs> <laughs> I refer to it often. I, I look you. at it often. Um, no, really. I mean, so t- tap into that, that book about the questions that that how Jesus led with questions and how he welcomes questions and what's the connection then with that yeah and entrepreneurship
1: yeah so yeah great yeah so it's the first book I wrote originally self-published and then it was picked up by a publisher it was originally titled eight questions God can't answer and um, it it started when I heard uh, Rick Warren you may have heard of him. He's, he's written a mildly successful book, um, yeah. 40, 40 million copies worth. Crazy. Purpose-driven. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah when I grow up, I want to be Rick. But um, uh, he, he gave a homily at an event. That I, was, I was at the National Prayer Breakfast, and he was talking, and he said in the middle of this, kind of a throwaway line in his funny sort of way, he said, you know, when God asks a question, it's not for his benefit, because <laughs> he already knows the answer he's got. And for some reason, that just struck me. It's like, that's kind of a big idea. Like, mm-hmm. uh, So I spent the next several months researching um, Jesus's questions in particular. And it wasn't just because he was a rabbinic Jew that he taught in that method. It's actually the way that God still today, I believe, teaches. He invites us into questions. Mm. He does, he never has and he never will give simpler simplistic answers. It just, he just doesn't operate that way. And so I wrote this book kind of plumbing uh, eight questions, the depths of eight questions that were really perplexing to me and kind of the question behind the question. Um, so, you know, why are you so afraid as the boat is sinking in the middle of the sea? Well,
0: well, maybe
1: maybe because <laughs> we're, we're about to not. drown,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, like,
1: duh. But but there's there's a lot behind that question, and it's not just a weak faith. I mean, they were on their way over to the other side, and so what's the other side? And so anyway, the connection here is um, the best leaders with whom I've worked, and as I've gotten, I hope a little bit better as a as a consultant and as a coach of leaders the best ones I know ask the best questions and are, and are um, accustomed to, and more and more uh, comfortable living in kind of the in-between. They don't think or have the um, illusion that they have all of the answers. They're, they're, they're comfortable not having all the answers. They're comfortable asking the question and not in a, leading the jury sort of, you know, leading the witness sort of way, like I'm asking a question that I already know the answer to. I just want you to give me the answer so it proves that I'm right sort of way, mm-hmm. which isn't the way Jesus asked questions either, by the way. It's a, I, I have an authentic interest in knowing the answer, which is a way again of drawing people's stories out. And so as an entrepreneur, I have to, I have to be more and more comfortable that very few things are actually black and white. There's a lot of gray. And so I have to be willing to ask questions, authentically ask questions and listen for the answer and then act on the answer.
0: Yeah, I think the, the space to ponder, the space to really think about it and not be flippant with a quick mm-hmm. response yeah. uh, is really important. What, what would be some like really important entrepreneurial questions that we could ask in the middle of a dream pursuit, you know, pursuing this new thing. Um, maybe we can little brainstorm right here. What would be mm-hmm. some really good questions for an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur to ask themselves?
1: So um, uh, I, I love, I, I, I mean, it sounds like a broken record. I love asking people, um, what's your story? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you passionate about? And some people start to give you kind of a, you know, kind of a surfacey sort of answer, but then you go, so, you know, what wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat, in, in a good sort of way, not like in fear, but like, man, that's a, that's actually how this book, Gasping for Breath, came to be. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning with it, <laughs> truly, like, <laughs> wide, wide awake with the idea of, of writing this with my friend, and so um, that's a good question. Um, what are you afraid of?
0: Mm.
1: Um, what have, what have you done that has given you great joy? What's life giving? What's life taking? Um, what, uh, what, what, uh, what question or issue or um, opportunity or problem uh, in the world uh, do you think you're uniquely
0: mm-hmm. created
1: to answer, solve? Mm-hmm. Are all things that I think can be at the nub of what an entrepreneur pursues
0: this is not a new one or it's not original i should say it's from who moved my cheese but uh one that always has stuck with me is if you weren't afraid what would you do and great question and um yeah i i, I just think that the questions are the most important thing that help us unlock understanding another one i like is what is trying to happen here <laughs> mm-hmm it's if, a good one. It's great. If um, if we believe that everything changes when we do, what is what are you called to change right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those. The other, that's really, the, the, really the, other one, the other
1: one. The other one that I ask uh, <laughs> half half jokingly, but actually not, is what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So if I, you know, if I do this, what's the worst that can happen? And, uh, and then pursue really, and then pursue it a little bit, really. And so a lot of times the, the, the fear that I have of pursuing something, assuming it's a good thing, um, the, the fear is actually irrational. Like, like what I think the worst that could happen, like, I'm not Mm going to die trying this. I'm not going to lose everything, trying this. I'm not going to completely lose my reputation or face doing this. So what, what's the worst? Well, the worst is that I fail and I learn a lot, maybe. Or, right. yeah.
0: In our dream discovery and dream demonstration process, I ask, "Well, what's what are the risks in going for it, for mm-hmm. you?" And most people that I've led through that question are pretty clear. They they just kind of rattle off all the risks because they they've thought about all the risks. Right. Right. I could fail. I could be found out as a fraud. I right. financially could lose a whole bunch. Um, yeah, But then I flip it and I ask, what's the risk if you don't go for it? Like what happens if you just stayed in the same lane, doing the same thing and mm-hmm. nothing changes? Where will you be five years from now? What's the risk if you don't? And that's when I see the softer side get pulled out. I mm-hmm. see emotion then because they're like, I haven't really thought about that before. Right. And it's it's even more scary to think about not doing it than doing it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. One guy <laughs> said to me, I have to do this.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. I can't not do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What can't you not do? That's another great question.
1: Right. right.
0: All right. Oh man, it is so uh, enjoyable to talk to you. Please uh, give uh, Amy and my love to Carol. Um, I'll do it. And I look forward to uh, someday reconnecting and having some good uh, slow conversation and get reconnected with what's going on in our lives. Thank you for being on my Move Forward Anyway podcast and for the encouragement you have brought to my mm-hmm. audience here. And um, if someone wants to get in touch with you. Or learn more about what you're doing. How do they reach you, John? So the the two uh, one I,
1: I would encourage if you want to um, just shoot me an email. So my email address is j. Busacker b u s a c k e r at john j o h n Boosacker dot com. So just personally email me, or uh, the website for um, our new book. Uh, is gasping for breath. Yep. Just like it looks in the title gasping for breath And there you'll, you'll have um, a little bit more on the bio and uh, a little bit on the book. And if you, if you're interested, you can just purchase the book right off the website, uh, but that will give you a little bit more insight as well.
0: Yeah. You can also uh, sign up for a, um, a newsletter or email um, news about the book or anything that develops from the book. You also learned some about David Johnson. I got to go on today and learn a little bit about David Johnson. So uh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for being encouragement in his life. I know that you have um, as he has for you, but it goes both ways. And mm-hmm. it's really cool that you did this together as brothers. And now there's something in the world that's going to help a lot of people. And that's That's the bottom line with our entrepreneurial ventures, right? That's why we have to move forward anyway is because there's something at the end of this, the world needs, Mm -hmm. um, the world needs what you have that you're thinking about doing. And, um, John and I would just like to encourage you to go for it. And if you need some encouragement, reach out to John, reach out to me or somebody else, uh, to help you move forward anyway. Um, thank you so much, John, again, for being on. Congratulations on the newest book in your suite of books. <laughs> thank you. And for the company Life Worth and all the great work you're doing for leaders um, and for followers, by the way, uh, to help them be competent leaders and um, be true to who they are. I really appreciate you, brother. Thanks again for the time. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. Hey, fellow dreamer, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all the show notes and links. And remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.